What's coming, for example, let's consider the COVID-19 mandates. And you're aware of the problems that have occurred, the complications and the death rates that are occurring. Put this in the context of eliminating fossil fuel use, all in the name of climate change. And what that's going to do to the survivability of people in certain climates, whether it's hot or cold. And think about what reducing and eliminating our use of fertilizer is going to do. Think about what's coming with respect to the plan to eliminate or dramatically reduce the livestock industry. What does this sound like? The national energy policy, which was implemented in 1980, was implemented as a result of a massive demographic shift of people and businesses coming to Calgary, all major banks moving their head, I should say to Alberta, all major banks moving their head offices to Calgary, because Alberta was becoming the economic center of power in Canada at that time. But that collided with the Quebec secessionist movement. And so the national energy policy, the real purposes of the national energy policy were two things. One, and this is really important to understand because this is never gonna change. Number one, it was to prevent Alberta from ever again becoming the center of economic power in Canada. And number two, to buy Quebec's loyalty to Canada with Alberta's wealth. Very important to understand, because that's the way it was then, that's the way it is now. Nothing has changed. And like I said earlier, not one federal or provincial government has ever protected our individual freedoms, rights, or prosperity. I've got a message for the next leader of the United Conservative Party. What you need is the support of the electorate for you to have and for your government to have negotiating power to deal with the federal government. You need to have that negotiating power to protect Alberta's interests, our individual freedom of rights, and our prosperity. And you know what that negotiating power is. A successful referendum on independence. Don't shy away from it because you will achieve what no other premier has ever achieved in 116 years. Your government will achieve the protection of Alberta unlike ever before. Don't be afraid. Be courageous. I like that. Be courageous. Be courageous. I like putting you on the spot. You had to put me first, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, that was a very important message that uh, Dr. Modry had for the next yeah. leader of the United Conservative Party, and that leader, fast forward a little bit, is uh, Danielle Smith. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And what a way to get here! What a way to get here! So, uh, folks, in case you haven't guessed it from the title of this live cast and from the fact that we had Dr. Dennis Modry on the intro. Um, we're going to be joined by Dr. Dennis Modre tonight to talk about some of the things that are going on in Alberta right now. Uh, I'm very excited. I hope that maybe some of you are excited and you're feeling hopeful as I am, uh, which doesn't mean that we get to be lazy now. we got to keep doing what we've been doing and uh, hold our politicians' feet to the fire, so to speak. Right, Kerry? That's right. We were we were talking about that yesterday. Chris and I actually went and did a uh, a rally. I guess it was a rally. Of course it was. 
uh, a rally at uh, the Calgary Courthouse Park, and it was nice and snowy. And, um, and I wanted to actually say, so Chris is obviously in his, uh, in his house in Mir, Alberta, and I am not because I am in Innisfil. And the reason I needed to get to Innisfil is to get out of the snow. We had so much snow in Calgary. I believe it was even still snowing today. Wow. But, yeah. But we were talking yesterday at the, uh, the uh, Calgary Courtyard Park uh, about many topics. We talked about uh, mandates. We talked about uh, some of the stuff that we were talking about with uh, Full Steam Ahead and our uh, class action suit. And, uh, and of course, then we talked, about, we talked about energy. We talked about politics. Uh, we talked about the different parties. There was a lot, of, lots lot of, of topics. Talking. Lots of topics to be covered in the last little bit. Um, so I'm excited to talk to, uh, uh, to Dennis today about everything that uh, he's been aware of, uh, certainly in the last uh, month or so. Um, I know I've been a little tardy on the Chris and Carrie show. It's been basically the Chris song Carrie show. So my apologies for that. But that's just the way, <laughs> way wow. life has been the last little wow. bit. Carrie, <laughs> I got to tell yeah. you, something yeah. amazing has just happened. Somebody okay. has commented, there is a yeah. good profitable business going on and he wants to introduce me to the business is 100% legit. The company have changed many people home to better. A lot of people are making it in the company. This company has been good to me, good help to me and my families. I, I really up. wanted you to know about yeah. band. Goodbye. My goodness. Is it uh, Bitcoin? It's got to be some some sort of uh, some sort of scamming thing, anyways. I'm sure. Yeah. Not that Bitcoin's a scam. I'm just saying that it just seems to be that's what the trolls seem to be coming up on. There. Not a scam, but certainly volatile. Volatile, as I've found wow. out. Wow. Yes, quite. What's it at now? Oh, you know? nineteen thousand US and change. Wow. I actually made a little bit of money playing the uh, you know swings to thirty thousand down to I think it hit fourteen thousand. I actually yeah. bought and sold at a bunch of those peaks and valleys and I made, I don't know, four or $500 on it, but now it's doing yeah. nothing. But anyway, we're getting kind of off track here. Yeah. Um, we we really important yeah. stuff to talk about. There's a lot of cool things going on in Alberta and uh, I've had some great conversations with my friend, Dr. Dennis Moldry about this stuff. And I figured what better way to uh, share this with the world than by bringing Dennis on. So without further Absolutely. ado, good evening, Dennis. How are you? I am great. How are you guys tonight? Excellent. Thank well. you. Fantastic. Thanks for having me on. Oh, my pleasure. No, it's, uh, how, how, I guess I want to ask, how are you feeling about the last 12 weeks in Alberta? Oh, how am I feeling about the last 12 weeks? I guess it sort of depends on, on what the issue is. Uh, for example, uh, we're talking firearms confiscation. Are we mm -hmm. talking, um, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, New Brunswick, and Yukon standing mm -hmm. up against that. Uh, yeah. I feel great about that. Um, yeah. I feel I feel that um, you know you know what we're doing with uh, APP. I think is making a difference. I feel good about it. Um, I think we've um, you know with the massive number of followers and engagements and views of our videos, et cetera, et cetera. I think. Um, I think we're making a, a difference. I think the independence parties are certainly aligned with what mm -hmm. we're doing. And uh, of course they're not in government, but it's pleasing to me to see 
that there is um, some degree of alignment, uh, even with the UCP right now, with what APP has been proposing. Um, so I think from uh, from that perspective, it's uh, wonderful. It'd be nice to see uh, in the next election to see, um, you know, some real independence-minded uh, folks uh, elected. Uh, in, you know. Um, come May of 2023. And what I mean by that, I mean, it's highly likely, given the massive infrastructure that UCP has right now, that it's highly likely they're probably going to be uh, elected. Um, at least they have got a good chance uh, with respect to UCP beating the NDP. But I think as well, I think there's really an interesting dynamic developing um, with respect to the independence parties. And now that uh, the whip of board has been defined uh, and they're looking for a leader and there's tip um, with Arter and I think Arter has some appetite with trying to help bring the independence movement together and I could see a number of independent um, aligned MLAs um, helping to influence the UCP party as well but I think there's a number of UCP MLAs as well that you know, with uh, Danielle's Sovereignty Act uh, developed by Rob Anderson and Derek Fromm and Barry Cooper, I think there's there's an interesting dynamic that's developing here. And we see it in Saskatchewan as well with uh, Mo saying, um, you know, he's not going to enforce certain things. And they've come out with a, a, a great analysis of how much money it's going to cost Saskatchewan um, regarding the implementation of these climate thing, climate policy, the federal mm -hmm. climate policies, and they're not going to go in that direction. And you know, I, I just forget the number, but it was something like in over a number of years, uh, not that many years, but maybe by 2030 or 2035, would cost Saskatchewan 111 billion dollars of lost of lost revenue. Mm -hmm. So in Alberta, you can multiply that, you know, by uh, by probably five or six, you yeah. know, or more. So I think I think for the first time in, a, um, you know, the last few years, I feel some hope um, for this province. And and I think it energizes APP to get out there and, you know, uh, help support the cause of protecting our individual freedoms and rights and prosperity and self-determination. So I'm excited about about what's coming and the opportunity to get out there and and um, continue to educate the public. And we create that backbone that the political track can get in front of. And uh, so, yeah, it's good. And that little intro that you showed earlier, uh, it does take courage to stand up against stupidity, mm -hmm. you know, and, mm -hmm. and, you know, this wokeness and cancel culture and raping our financial economic future, uh, it does take courage. And um, I'm excited to be part of this uh, courageous movement. As well, it's, are you guys. It's, it's becoming mainstream. It's actually the idea, um, or at least the acknowledgement that this, that a referendum on independence would give us, you know, powerful leverage. It's mainstream. And, I, and I'm, I'm going to try and play a clip here. I've never done this before a streamer. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give it a shot. But uh, Check this out, Dennis. You'll remember this. This was probably a very good moment for uh, for you and for the Alberta Prosperity Project. And whether Albertans know it or not yet, this was a very good moment for Albertans as well. So let me try and bring this up. 
percentage yeah. has been minor minority, a linguistic minority, cultural, economic minority, but they did something different. They had an or else added to the end of it. How far are you willing to go? Are you willing to say we want these things or else? At what stage would you, for example, invoke the Clarity Act as clarified by the Supreme Court? For example, calling a referendum on the Clarity Act question of secession. Do you have an or else in mind? What is it and what would make you use it? And if not, how are you serious? And I, I'll start off with Danielle Smith on that one. The or else is Dennis Modry and the Alberta Prosperity Project. It's true. We um, proclaimed into law on April the 7th the Citizen Initiative Act, which gives the people the power to collect signatures for a petition campaign to propose a, an amendment. If it's a simple matter of policy, it's a 10% threshold. If it's a constitutional change, it's a 20% threshold. That would mean 600,000 signatures. And as I understand it, Dr. Modry has a million people on his database. So part of when I decided I wanted to run, I knew how important it was to make sure that we address the issues of autonomy. And I talked to Dr. Modry as one of my first steps. I said, let's try this together. Let's get as much autonomy as we can. Full well knowing that he's got the power, you've got the power. If we're not successful, and this is why I take your movement very, very seriously, and why Justin Trudeau should take it very, very seriously too, because you have the power to be able to be the or else. Oh, that was great. I love it. That was a powerful clip. Yeah. You know, it's interesting uh, just reflecting. <clears throat> Uh, on this, when Daniel was still uh, working for, what was the, um, was it Chorus that she was working for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, she wanted to interview me um, when she was working with Chorus and they wouldn't let her. Um, but it was, subsequently, I had had a conversation with a prominent um, uh, individual um, in the energy industry and who knows Daniel quite well. And the very next day I got a call from Daniel. And then the day after that, and I think this is April of this year, um, she drove from High River up to meet with me in Edmonton. We spent three hours chatting at dinner at the sawmill. My wife was with me at the time. And, and it was a very interesting conversation because she was very receptive to the APP message. Um, she understood clearly that it's a fool's game if you think you can open and change the constitution without leverage. And, um, and, she, and, and, and what pleased me is she was willing to be educated about it. Mm -hmm. um, and so in taking her through that uh, discussion, um, I wasn't sure exactly where ultimately it would go, um, but, but the fact that she would make the kind of statement that she just made at the UCP leadership forum in response to Ezra's question to her speaks very highly of her understanding of what it takes to actually protect Alberta's interests, our individual freedoms and rights and prosperity. 
And I think along with components of the Alberta Sovereignty Act, she has the courage to um, protect Alberta. Uh, but in order for her to actually achieve the ultimate goal, she, you know, that party would have to win the uh, the next election. But what I'd like to see is I'd like to see a number of of MLAs from the independence parties uh, take not for the UCP to lose any seats, but for the independent parties to get a whole bunch of NDP seats. I think that would be fantastic. That would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean because because I do think that there are people in the UCP caucus that think it is possible to use Section 46 of the Constitution to that pass- That was a Brian Jean point, I think. I'm sorry? Mm -hmm. That was a Brian Jean point as far as yeah. I can remember. Well, yeah, and he's made the point a number of times, use Section 46 of the Constitution to pass a bill in the legislature uh, to open and change the Constitution. And in this case, it was to end equalization. But there are so many things that are in the Constitution that need to change. and um, and and in, and in order for that in order for that to happen, um, you can't get over those five hurdles. And this is what Daniel didn't know before. And it was interesting talking to some of the other UCP leadership candidates. If I asked them the question, "Well, what are the five hurdles to open and change the constitution?" Most of them couldn't couldn't tell me. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really unusual that they did yeah. not know that. And so so education is is paramount um, to, to have the MLAs of all political stripes understand what it actually takes um, and to understand the impossibility of opening and changing the Constitution. Because getting down on bended knee and begging Ottawa to do something hasn't worked for 117 years. And so, uh, you know, it, it, isn't gonna, it isn't gonna work now. And more important right now, well, equally important right now, is look what's coming at us with this WEFUN agenda. And I was particularly impressed with Daniel coming out the other day um, and making the point uh, that she is not going to um, uh, implement any of the WEFUN agenda. So that I thought, took a lot of courage to do that. That, that, that did take a lot of courage because... Because you know that what's going to be coming at this UCP government is going to be the full force of the federal government um, and the NGOs, the WEFUN, and all of their money. But you know something? We can, we can win this battle collectively, but we got to come together as Albertans uh, in a united, ed educated, informed, inspired fashion. And... I think we're we're on the cusp of of really being um, one of the regions of the world uh, that other regions can look up to and say, "Look, it started in Alberta," mm -hmm. you know. And uh, and you know, Chris, I gotta I gotta hand it to you as well because you know you stood up for what was right, and you were right, and you put you put your integrity on the line, you put your economic situation on the line to do what was right and you know more power to you and, and and you know you're the type of people that um fought in the world wars uh, to protect our individual freedoms and rights and you would be carrie you'd probably be second um i'd be second yeah. to, i'm to, always number two <laughs>
Carrie, Carrie would be my wingman. To, to, to offer your uh, your services and and even your life to protect, uh, you know, what is right. So mm-hmm. it's pretty amazing, actually, to see, uh, you know, what's happening right now. And I'll tell you the other thing um, that I was pleased to see is that, um, uh, you know, the UCP leadership contest was pretty fractious. Um, but it does seem as though at least the rhetoric that we've seen in the last day um, seems to point to a caucus that's quite uh, aligned and quite united. And if they're united with respect to the Sovereignty Act or components of the Sovereignty Act, I think that's a pretty, that's a pretty good start. Yeah. So here's, here's a question. If you don't mind me interjecting here, uh, one of the questions I know I've been asked a thousand times, uh, and I already know the answer, but I want to get it from from Dennis, is we actually have not seen anything written as the Sovereignty Act. Do we know the components of what will actually be in that? Well, we do know, uh, we do have an idea. So, uh, because in the document that was drafted by Barry Cooper and Rob Anderson and Derek Fromm, um, that was called the Free Alberta Strategy, but contained within it was the the proposed Alberta Sovereignty Act. So, the the key component that should be passed easily, um, or should be agreed to easily, is for our financial institutions that are based in Alberta uh, to be regulated only by Alberta, such as ATB and the credit unions, um, uh, Alberta-based insurance companies, the Alberta-based security and exchange, that can all be regulated here in Alberta um, out from under any federal regulatory control. And of course, for, for those of us who witnessed the freezing of bank accounts, for example, by the federal government, of those people who had donated to the convoy. This is welcome news. And that's a component of the Alberta Sovereignty Act. And the other component of the Sovereignty Act, which we've criticized, um, uh, was the fact that the, um, the Sovereignty Act would permit the provincial government to not enforce federal law. And, the, mm-hmm. and whereas I love the concept <clears throat> that um, the question really revolves around well what would the federal government do because as you guys know when you're trying to do big things you have to think strategically and you've got to think several steps ahead and my criticism of the sovereignty act had to do with not recognizing what the federal government would do so typically what they've done is they have withheld uh, transfer payments And if you withhold transfer payments, well, the money that we're giving to Ottawa and they're supposed to give it back to us in social transfers, health transfers, education transfers, infrastructure transfers. If they don't give it back to us, well, you know, that's twisting our economic arm. And traditionally what's happened in in the country, in other provinces where transfer payments have been withheld, um, eventually you get to a point where the economic pain is too much and then the province capitulates. So <clears throat> what could the provincial government do under those circumstances? Well, um, certainly what it can do uh, is it can rapidly, within 18 to 24 months, take control of that which it can legally 
policing, pensions, immigration, employment insurance, provincial tax mm -hmm. collection. Um, and the other thing that it can do simultaneously is pack, use Section 46 of the Constitution, pass a bill to end equalization because you got the referendum, then you have the bill. You take both, you go to Ottawa and you, and you try and end equalization, impossible. The federal government probably won't even talk to you. So now you're being compromised two ways. Federal government's withholding transfer payments. You can't end equalization. The government can then come to the, to the public and say, look, we want to protect your interests. We want to improve your prosperity. And um, <clears throat> we need a mandate from you uh, so that we can negotiate from a position of strength. Because ever since Federation, or Alberta was incorporated into Canada in 1905, there's been an imbalance in power, right? <clears throat> and Alberta, that's why Alberta has never been able to get what it wants. Um, I mean, apart from a couple of minor things, you know, over this 117 years. Um, but the, the beauty of a successful referendum on independence is, as um, Ezra alluded to in the uh, question posed to Daniel Smith, is it does trigger the Clarity Act. Um, and of course, for those people who don't know what the Clarity Act is, it, it was crafted by the federal government in res uh, sorry, by the Supreme Court in response to the federal government um, request. It was called the secession reference, the Quebec secession reference. And they wanted to know, the federal government wanted to know if there was a legal pathway for a province to leave Canada and could, they, could the province do it unilaterally. And so the federal uh, Supreme Court drafted the Clarity Act. Um, but the most important point to me in the Clarity Act is this point. It's the last line in the fourth paragraph of the preamble. It says Quebec, or sorry, it says negotiations might lead to secession. So what does that mean? That means negotiations might not lead to secession. Mm -hmm. So where this becomes really relevant when the provincial government wants to ask for a mandate, if we look at where we are right now, in February the 4th this year, there was a, a there was a uh, Angus Reid survey that was conducted. And I love the way the survey um, was conducted because um, the question really was, um, are you dissatisfied or disillusioned with the federal government? And 73% mm -hmm. of Albertans are disillusioned with the federal government. In Saskatchewan, it was even higher, believe it or not, it was 76% are disillusioned wow. with the federal government. But let's just stick with Alberta for a sec. So if you take that 73% in that, in that particular poll, 33% of Albertans want out. They want Alberta to become a new nation, but 40% want a better deal within Confederation. Mm -hmm. So what the 40% need to understand is you can't get there by, by uh, just using section 46 of the constitution to try and open and change it because of the five hurdles. It is yeah. truly impossible. But what isn't impossible if you want to achieve independence within Canada is to have the referendum on independence because mm -hmm. that forces legally Ottawa, the federal government and the other provinces to negotiate with Alberta. But now, aha, uh -huh, Alberta has corrected the imbalance in power and now it negotiates from a position of strength. So we can't predict how the negotiations will go, 
the provincial government will be responsible for those negotiations. But if the negotiations go well and Alberta get what's it, get, gets what it wants, then Alberta stays in Canada. But now it has complete control of its wealth and affairs. They're almost so win-win. It's wealth and yeah. affairs. Yeah. 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 On the other side of the coin, if we're dealing with an intransigent Ottawa or, or an intransigent Quebec or Ontario in particular, well, then Alberta can say, just like uh, happened in England with Brexit, hey, guys, negotiations haven't worked, so we're out. And, yeah. um, on, and on that note, Dennis? Yeah. With that, I, I just had a comment here. I don't want to forget it. There's actually three, so don't don't let me forget. But one of them was, um, what's the point of trying to use the Clarity Act? Because they just keep moving the goalposts. Like they, politicians have historically just served us lip service and not backed it up with actions. Now with the Clarity Act, it says there must be a clear majority, but it doesn't mm -hmm. actually quantify what the clear majority is. And right. I have an answer to that. If mm -hmm. Alberta say had 65 or 70 or 90% or whatever, even say 65% of the province said, yes, we want to remove ourselves from confederation if we cannot get a better deal. Um, mm -hmm. If the federal government said, well, that's not a clear enough majority, we would just say too bad, so sad, you know, like, uh, there's isn't that how the isn't that how the prime minister was uh, was elected? Yeah, three percent or whatever. Much. But that, yeah. that's what I'm getting at is if 65 percent of Albertans say that no, we don't want to be abused by the federal government anymore like this, and the federal government says, well, no, that's not enough of you. We just say, yes, it is. Too bad for you. And then what? Then what are they going to do? Like that's the ultimate well, act of uh, political civil disobedience. Well, here's the here's here's the issue that I think is relevant. Um, Every time there's an election, a majority is 50% plus one. Mm -hmm. So a successful referendum on independence at 50% plus one gives Alberta the moral and legal legitimacy to chart a new path forward. It has the moral and legal legitimacy to negotiate with Ottawa. And it is, although it is true that um, the House of Commons has to approve the uh, the question, the referendum question, and it has to approve the magnitude of the outcome. The reality is, is the international norm for a majority is 50% plus one. So one of the things that would be very important to do prior to a referendum is to be sure that you have, that we have um, some degree of international support. And that some degree primarily is U.S. support. And I think with the mid U.S. midterm elections, it's going to be a Republican win. And I think we would have that. I think we would have that support. So so I think that's quite important. Uh, but also, um, you're right, uh, Chris. And that that point is, is if we're dealing with an intransigent Ottawa and you have to remember the Supreme Court, let's face it, the Supreme Court has always sided uh, with the regions of, well, the Laurentians, as it were, against yeah, Alberta. Yeah. The best, most recent example was the, uh, with the Alberta Court of Appeal ruling that the carbon tax was unconstitutional, and then the federal government appeals it to the Supreme Court and says, no, um, uh, it is constitutional, and um, it's the Environmental Protection Act. Uh, and that basically over... Um, Overregulated, I guess you could sell. You could say the development and transport of our natural resources. Crazy, absolutely crazy. So, it was pretty obvious what they were doing. 
there's something else with that though, Dennis, some, some yeah. insight that I learned a few days ago, actually in a conversation with um, uh, Premier Smith, she, she was talking about how when the Alberta government went to the Supreme Court with this carbon tax issue, um, part of the, like the initial, I, the, the initial pleadings or whatever, they basically said something to the effect of neither side contests the facts of climate change. Like the provincial mm -hmm. government here in Alberta, as far as, as what I'm, you know, what I understand from our conversation, the provincial government didn't even challenge the science, which we should be because we, all of us, at least a growing number of us are starting to realize that this climate change agenda is a scam. It's an absolute scam. It has no base in science. The science they use to perpetrate this on us is, on us is junk science. But our government didn't even argue that. They went to the courts and said, um, we're not going to argue that climate change is real and we need to fight climate change. So the, the Supreme Court said, well, if, if neither side contests the facts, then we're going to side with the federal government because if we don't, the earth is going to light on fire by 2016. Yeah. Well, there's something, yeah, there's something very important here to understand. The narrative changed from global warming yeah. when it was evident that there was insignificant no warming. global warming, there, <laughs> it wasn't occurring. Um, yeah. They shifted the narrative to climate change. Well, the climate has been changing uh, for millennia. So, yeah. so the fact that they're using that terminology uh, should twig you to realize the invel invalidity of the arguments. I think I, I'm going to make a plug right now, though. Um, for those uh, who might be on the call and want to learn a little bit more about this, we got Alex Epstein coming from uh, California. He's going to be speaking um, to a large group of people <clears throat> at the uh, Weston Hotel um, this coming Friday. And you can get your tickets online. It's only 40 bucks and you get, uh, you're going to get uh, beef on a bun and some, some other snacky stuff. And, I think there's beer and whatever else, uh, but it's going to be a great talk. He's written two books. One was the moral case for fossil for fossil fuels, and the other is fossil fossil futures. And um, he explains very, very in very, very clear language, uh, in a very simplistic way, to understand that this whole climate narrative in relation to fossil fuels is a false flag entirely. Mm -hmm and that CO2 actually is good. Here's something, just, just put this in, in your brain. CO2 levels right now are running at about 420 parts per million, which is the lowest they've been running um, for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, plant life, animal life, human life, millennia, many millennia ago um, was thriving when CO2 levels were uh, 10 times what they are now. So it, it really is false to think that um, fossil, fossil fuels are, are causing uh, climate change and global warming. It's ridiculous to think that. Any case, you should come and listen to Alex. He's an extremely bright guy. He's been um, invited to speak all over the world uh, at, many, at many university campuses as well. And because he's a relatively young guy, um, you know, he uh, he appeals to uh, the younger crowd as well. So mm -hmm. an important ally for us as we fight against this false narrative about climate change. Okay. No, uh, this this Epstein is not related to the other Epstein 
of whom you're most all familiar with. So right. Alex Epstein, Friday, October 28th at the Westin Calgary Airport, uh, 5 p.m. to 6, or when does that start? Actually, it, it, it's 5 until 9. I think it's 5. 5 until, until 9, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Five, 5 till 6 is kind of just sitting, around, you know, shooting the shit with yeah. everybody, which is awesome. And that's yep. what I, I love about the APP events. It's not like if you just want to hear the speakers, yeah, you can watch them online. It's the before and after that I, I find engaging. And so he'll be up and he'll be speaking for like an hour. And then there's a uh, question and answer. And then, of course, then there's just uh, talking after. And uh, so definitely worth the uh, price of admission for this one. Yeah, we, well, got, have... we got a little surprise coming as well for those uh, who show up. So, oh. yeah, surprises. Yeah, surprises are good. Surprises. For those of you who are asking, well, why would I want to spend? What's the ticket price, Dennis? It's only forty bucks. Forty. Bucks. I think it's. Why would so I spend forty bucks? Oh, it might be yeah. fifty now. It was forty. I was just going to say that. Yeah. 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 So if you miss the uh, the deadline up until Wednesday, I think tickets are being sold until yeah. Wednesday, <clears throat> and there was a bump up in the price to fifty bucks. So. Yeah. 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 So for those people who are asking, why would I spend fifty bucks now? to go listen to Alex Epstein speak about climate change. Well, um, this conversation is absolutely critical to your future and my future and your children and my children and pretty much everybody on this planet. Uh, the truth regarding the man-made climate change resulting in uh, uh, um, the earth basically being completely in uninhabitable. This conversation is the root of many of the things that we are facing right now from governments and from, from international uh, organizations. They're using this conversation to get into your pocketbook, um, take away your sovereignty over your farms, cause you to not be able to pay for your energy, not drive your vehicle, ban gasoline powered vehicles by what is it, 2050 or something. This conversation is being used against every person on the planet. So. Yeah. I would say $50 to go have uh, beef on a bun and beer and listen to Alex Epstein dis discuss some of these things, you're going to get a lot of good information that you can share with your friends. And when they say, well, I heard that the polar ice caps are going to melt and they're going to raise the oceans yeah. up eight feet. We're all going to be underwater and everybody's going to die. You will have something to respond to that with. And that's really right. important because yeah. Yeah. part of the reason I wanted to have this conversation with Carrie and Dennis tonight is that I've seen the tide's turning in a lot of areas. Mm -hmm. uh, and we need to keep this going. We need to keep this momentum going and, and turn the tide on these types of conversations as well. So that when we're putting people in government and holding their feet to the fire through organizations like the Alberta Prosperity Project and other political parties and Take Back Alberta and Take Back Our Freedoms and all these groups, yeah. we have the information, the knowledge and the people to basically chart a new path forward for everybody. So that's why I will be going to uh, the Calgary Weston uh, or Weston Calgary Airport on Friday, October 28th. And I will be paying my $50 just like you will in order to uh, hear what Alex has to say. So I gotta, I gotta add something here that I it's, it's just always fascinating for me to see evidence, you know? So if we look at some evidence um, of somewhat of somewhere in the neighborhood of a hundred apocalyptic predictions that the earth is going to end mm -hmm. not one of them has occurred 
I mean, related to yeah. climate change, not one. Yeah. Um, and, and if not, and be seriously compromised. Then the other bit of evidence that I like to see is the photographs of um, where the ocean levels are. You mentioned tides, it made me think of this, where the ocean levels are in the last hundred years. Where, mm. you know, because I mean, photography hasn't been around forever, but for a for hundred years. And, um, and there's no change. The, the, the levels are exactly the way they were a hundred years ago. Yeah, I've well, seen pictures of the Oregon coast, exactly that. You see the yeah. same rocks a hundred years ago and it's the no. same water level. Like what are yeah. the odds of that? Well, this, this, this is the thing, you know, and, um, and even if there is a little bit of, uh, let's say there was a little bit of warming. Well, uh, what happens is that creates more evaporation, right? So it creates more evaporation. And what does that do? That creates more rain. Um, and the more rain doesn't necessarily just go back into the ocean. It may go into lakes and it goes into nourish plants and, and agriculture and trees and everything else. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it, yeah. I mean, I, it's, it's exciting to start seeing that there is a counter narrative that is starting to get traction with those individuals who pretty much have had cognitive dissonance for a long time and are have been unwilling to listen to an alternative narrative and one of the things that helps generate that is things like um the cost of living and inflation and people start saying well why is this occurring okay well you guys know the answer why this is occurring it's because of this false narrative on climate mm -hmm. And that's what's driving all the stupidity. Yeah. It is. So it's uh, that 40 or $50 is, uh, I mean, it's money well spent. And to answer the so question, of not everybody can afford 40 or $50. That's money to put food on the table. Yes, you're right. Not everybody will be able to afford to go to this. Um, if you can afford to go, go and share what you learn with the people that can't go. Because unfortunately, that's where we're living right now. Um, I mean, we could, we could get into a huge conversation about why people don't have enough money in their pockets these days, but I think we'll save that for another time. Yeah. I was going to ask whether or not there is a virtual ticket price, or are they planning on doing that? And if not, then I mean, I can certainly talk to, to Walter and see if it, it is going to be uh, recorded, because I'm, I'm pretty sure it will be at some point. Yeah. Our, our intention is to uh, record it. We need Alex to uh, agree that we can release... Uh, his presentation um, and i'm sure yeah. uh, I'm, I'm sure he'll be fine with that because after all yeah. he wants to educate the public as well so absolutely yeah. yeah but at the same time you know advocacy and traveling around doing anything is extremely expensive yeah mm -hmm. i i understand now why some of these ticket prices are the way they are because people have to live people have to try to maintain a decent quality of life while they're flying yeah. or driving tens of thousands of miles a year, right? It's, uh, mm -hmm. it's not a, it's not a free endeavor. That's for sure. No, mm -hmm. that's true. That's true. But we're so, winning guys. I think we're, I, I think we're starting to win this battle and boy, I'll tell you, um, the, uh, the current government, the current UCP government better darn well stand up for Albertans. Unlike, the previous UCP government. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you guys saw, I wrote an editorial, um, submitted it to the Western Standard a few days ago, 
Um, and basically it was something along the lines, you know, I congratulated Danielle and acknowledge her win, but the key message in that, in that article was now do what you said you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I outlined what it was that she needs to do. And this harkens right back to the initial conversation I had with her in April of this year. And so I'm, I'm, I'm pleased that, uh, that there seems to be a pretty strong appetite, uh, you know, for her to buy her and her caucus members right now to do what the Alberta Sovereignty Act is intending on doing, um, mm-hmm. which dovetails. It's not perfectly aligned with what we are educating the public about, but it's but it's but it's close, um, mm-hmm. and um, but it's the step they're going to have to take because you know. Um, you know, it's like the seven habits of uh, highly influential people written by mm. Harvey, you know, begin with the mm. end in sight. Well, the yeah. end in sight is Alberta being in control of its wealth and affairs. How we get there um, is, is important, but how we get there quickly is even more important because think about all the damage that that Trudeau could do to us in the next three years before the next federal yeah. election. You know, yeah. this is why the provincial government needs to stand up. And I hope that Saskatchewan, Manitoba and other regions of the country will align um, with Alberta in standing up against the implementation of policies that adversely affect any one of our regions. And more important to that even is to push back against those laws that that um, that are actually harming us, like Bill 669, Bill C48, carbon tax, etc. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, you know, I think I think we, you know, we may be closer than even I've predicted to holding a referendum on independence. You know, because can you imagine? Can you imagine, guys, that um, if the if the provincial government uh, withholds transfer payments because the Alberta government isn't being compliant with federal dictates and um, is unwilling to negotiate on ending equalization. Boy, that's a pretty strong hammer that the provincial government has to, um, I shouldn't say hammer, but um, another, it, it's, 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 it's a pretty strong motivator for the provincial government to ask for a mandate from the public. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be able to negotiate from a position of strength consequent to a re- referendum on independence. Because all, all, all Danielle and, and the caucus would be saying is, look, folks, we want to protect you. We, 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 but we're being blocked. Everything that, everything that we try and do, we're being blocked by the, by the federal government. Yeah. Give us a mandate so we can protect you. And I have a feeling you're going to have Scott Moe, uh, and other regions of the country uh, aligning with this kind of thinking. I, you know? I agree. But Alberta's got to lead it. You've answered, you've answered a question that came up here, Dennis. Uh, somebody had mm-hmm. mentioned how politicians provide lip service. They say what they need to say to get us yeah. to get elected, to get our support, and then they don't do it. But yeah. I want to point something out. What's happened over this weekend is something that I didn't think was going to happen. Enough people in Alberta stood up and said enough is enough, and they became civically engaged, that they actually changed the course of the governing political party. So what happened was there was nine board positions open 
uh, on the UCP Provincial Board of Directors. And all nine positions are filled with freedom-minded individuals yeah. who are Alberta Patriots. They're like-minded to us. Um, and what this means, unlike when Jason Kenney was doing his thing, his open for summer, open for good, and then um, locking us down harder, daddy, again. What happens now is if our government doesn't do what they say they're going to do, we have a provincial board who will side with us. We have yeah. a provincial board who will say, Premier, you must do yeah. the things you did when you said, or said you were going to do when you were campaigning, or we are going to remove you as the party leader. That's mm -hmm. how this works. That's right. The power yeah. has been given kind of, well, but in a substantial way, back to the people. That's yeah. the difference right now. The difference isn't the politicians and what they're doing, mm -hmm. although I hope Daniel is different. It appears that she may be. The, the difference is the people, which is what I've said in the beginning. We, we, we had enough of looking at politicians to save us from these things, and we decided we're going to do it ourselves, and it's working. You know, you bring back uh, a memory here. Um, and it's part of that conversation I had with Danielle in April, and I was um, referring back to the um, when Peter Pockington owned the Edmonton Oilers. He would he would sponsor Junior Achievement every year, and he'd bring in a famous person. I happened to have the opportunity to attend three of those dinners at kind of a princely sum. Um, but I was most impressed with meeting with, with Maggie Thatcher. So you're at a table of 12 people and you're talking to Maggie Thatcher. Now this of course was after, you know, the Falklands war and she was a great fan of Ronald Reagan, but, but I reminded her of a conversation she had with uh, Pamela Wallen. And they were talking about the Falklands war and some, um, some social issues in England. And I can't remember the nature exactly what the conversation or how it went, but in that conversation with Pamela Wallen, Pamela Wallen made the mistake of saying, didn't you think to compromise? Well, Maggie Thatcher uncrossed her arm, uncrossed her legs, leaned forward. There was no table between, there was just, they were sitting on two chairs opposite each other. Yeah. And kind of in a loud voice said, compromise? I hate compromise. Compromise implies that both parties are wrong. And on values and principles, you never compromise. Mm -hmm. So we had a good discussion yeah. about that um, yeah. with Maggie and the people at the table. So I reminded Danielle of that. And I asked her a question. I said, are you a poll-based leader or are you a value and principle-based leader? Or mm -hmm. potentially. Mm -hmm. And of course, if you ask somebody that question, they're going to say that they're, they're a value and principle-based leader. But if you guys recall, on the evening that she was... Uh, confirmed as the winner of the leadership contest and her acceptance speech. Do you remember what she said? She said, I will not be governing based on polls. If you go mm. back and listen to that, she said, yeah. I'm not going to be yeah. governing based on polls. So if she wants to be the Alberta iron lady, she cannot compromise on values and principles. We just have mm -hmm. to know. I'm not sure what all of her values and principles are right now, but um, but um, you know, if she if she truly wants to protect us uh, against this wokeness, cancel culture, CRT, and all this other socialist Marxist nonsense, um, mm -hmm. and um, destroying our economy, and 
preventing the WEF UN agenda, she's going to have to really truly be the Iron Lady. And um, mm -hmm. that's, she, that's a badge of honor that she should want to wear, uh, that terminology. But we'll see. Uh, I, hope, I hope she can do it. I'm going to show you something. Here. That. It might, it might hey, be kind ahead. of small, yeah. but I'm just going to put this up real quick. Can you see that? Too small? It's pretty small. Can you yeah, enlarge it? Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I was rummaging around in my grandma and grandpa's house a few years ago, and I stumbled upon this McLean's magazine. And this was Margaret Thatcher squaring off with Pierre Elliott Trudeau right around the time of the repatriation or the patriation of our constitution and that. And there's an article in here that's discussing their, you know, their battle they're having, the two of them. And if you replaced, uh, uh, if you replace their names with current names, politicians, it's exactly the same as what's going on right now. Yeah. And I, yeah, I just, I thought what interesting timing that we have this Trudeau round two um, doing his best to finish the destruction his father started. And then I stumble upon this magazine that's 50 years old. So, yeah, I just thought I'd show you that. Did you read the article inside, Chris? I did read the article. Yes, I did. And, the, and what were they fighting about? Or I, can't, I can't remember exactly what it was. It was kind of some of the, the, um, some of the issues of the day. Mm -hmm. But basically... Um, she was kind of, kind of saying, the policies that you're putting in place aren't for your people. They're not good. And if you go down this path, you're going to, it's this is communism. This is uh, why why would you want to do this? Yeah. And Pierre Elliott Trudeau, he had commented on quite a few global issues at the time, including what was going on um, across the pond, and she didn't like that. So, oh, you know what? I'm actually gonna maybe I'll do a whole live on that and I'll read the whole thing. That's it was pretty neat. Hmm. Yeah, you know, it's, I think it, it is important to understand history uh, so that you don't repeat it, you know. And, and unfortunately, you know, we've been, I think, complacent. A lot of us haven't learned history um, and don't understand the consequences of poor decisions. Uh, but we've had, we've faced so many bad decisions, both at the federal and at the provincial level, um, that you know, it's, it really is hard to understand, uh, you know, why these why these things have have occurred. Um, but um, but nevertheless, here's here's where we are. And uh, this is our battle now, guys. Um, and, you know, we're fighting. We're fighting not just, you know, for the preservation of, you know, traditional Western values of, of, of you know, Western civilization, but but um, the ball has been dropped, you know, following World War One and World War, World War II. We didn't think there would be any other battles, but boy, the socialists have done a brilliant job over the many decades uh, to infiltrate our schools, our, uh, our courts, and, you know, our major institutions to the point where it almost seems hopeless, except that there's something innate in most of us, and that's that, that that spirit, that those inalienable rights that we were born with, and um, and uh, and I think uh, you know, you intuitively, many people intuitively know when something's wrong, and 
And uh, I think this is part of the spark that's occurring now that's, uh, that's already a fire, but it's going to be, become a raging inferno um, for freedom and prosperity moving forward. I see it coming. What, Kerry, uh, so you and I have had some conversations about some of the things that we've seen and heard in the last, uh, particularly in the last two weeks. What's the, what's the highlight of things that you've seen? You know what, there was, I was just looking for a couple of statements that I had saved on my phone and I can't find them just to, in regards to you know, the, uh, uh, Danielle basically said that she's advocating for anybody that's uh, vaccinated, et cetera, and that we're going to try and have those people come back to work and, and all that. And so one of my comments would be, that's great. You know, you pardon the, pardon the people that have the tickets. But what do you do about the people that uh, basically lost their livelihood? Like when we lost our bar, we basically were following the rules until a certain point, And then we stuck our neck out and then the AHS and the government chopped their head off. And now, you know what? Oh, sorry. You know, we're going to pardon everybody. So if you had a ticket, you don't have to pay your ticket. At least that's what has been told. So what happens to places like us and other restaurants and other retail and, and anybody else that uh, has lost your business that way? So that would be an interesting That's conversation. A, to have. a really, really good question, because part of the reason yeah. that we wanted to fight back, particularly with the, you know, the challenge, the court challenge that we were going to do, me and you yeah. and Carlos and Marla and, and Deb and them, yeah. Um, yeah. We, we wanted to do that, not necessarily to get a bunch of money from back from the government, but because we wanted the government to declare that what they had done was wrong. Mm-hmm. Now the government has declared what they did was wrong. So where do we go from there? Well, here's the thought, guys. Here's the thought. And it'd be nice to see. And I don't think any of us have had this conversation with Danielle. But think about this. If we could get to that point of the referendum on independence, and it could happen in, you know, 18 months from now, 18 to 24 months from now. Um, If we could get to that point, then as far as negotiations are occurring uh, with the federal government, um, one of the key issues there is because he who has the gold rule. So here's what, if I was part of the negotiating committee, I would be uh, insisting on Alberta will collect all taxes, federal taxes included. Mm-hmm. Um, because we get, we collect we we give out sixty billion right now. We only give back twenty seven. So we we collect all of those taxes. We have our own pension plan, so we're no longer overfunding the pension plan by three billion a year. EI same thing. We overfund EI by yeah. billion a year, so we're no longer doing that. Here's my point: is that those would be um, a sine qua non for any sort of a deal uh, within Canada. So some of those funds should be used in my opinion for restitution you know Mm. i mean you take the indigenous population um and first nations how they've been compromised they talk about reconciliation uh which really uh recompensation i guess you could say um but but this has been going on for a long time uh with first nations but i think the harm that the federal and provincial governments did to Alberta business should be addressed. And uh, it could be addressed if we had control of our wealth. We don't have control of our wealth right now. 
um, because we're giving it all to Ottawa, or the majority of it to yeah. Ottawa. One of the, one of the statements statements I've heard about that you know like, there'll be some retribution or remuneration or anything like that from the government to anybody that may have lost a business or or any sort of uh, maybe a ment or uh, uh, mental or uh, physical health issues or anything like that well basically it's still our money it's still tax dollars that are basically yeah. just gone from one pocket into the next yeah and so you know if it's the people that that were in charge that made these uh, these these bad decisions. Um, yeah. I would like to see some of them fork up some of their money. I mean, they they were basically in uh, and still had a job, and and we lost ours. Right? Well, there's a question: Is chairs in that uh, nano or lipid nanoparticle technology company and use yeah. that to to uh, recompensate some people? Yeah, yeah. No, I think there's I think there's the reckoning, you know, with respect to the COVID-19 nonsense, um, that's coming. Um, yeah. And uh, I don't know exactly how it's all going to play out. Some people are going to escape, but I hope the majority of the people that have caused the harm to civilization uh, are held accountable. Yeah. I know. And, and, and just to talk a little bit more about, you know, if Danielle's, I wouldn't want to be in her shoes. There's no way. I mean, there's, there's, she's getting it from, from all sides. Uh, but it, it just in our circle, we've had people that have been asking about uh, those have been arrested uh, in coots and those who are looking at being, uh, or basically have charges against them. So just to kind of recap again, uh, the, the four that were arrested in coots for uh, the federal charges, there's not much that I think Danielle can do. She may have a bit of influence in terms of federal, but it's a federal matter. But the the three that have since been charged again, yeah. that is a provincial jurisdiction, and she should be able to have some say in what happens with that. And and I'm just going to spin this a little bit more, just because when she announced her uh, her cabinet, um, I myself was a little shocked that the Minister of Justice is once again Tyler Shandro. And the Minister of Health is Jason Coppock. I would have thought that there would have been enough people saying those are the guys that uh, that caused the problems. But and in, in in her defense, I guess you could always keep your enemies close. Hmm. Well, here's <laughs> here, yeah, here's here's the thing is that um, you know uh, Jason Kenney uh, primarily controlled everybody. Previously, he couldn't yeah. control Todd Lowen and and Drew Barnes, but um, yeah. So that was really a very top-down driven uh, situation. And how much Shandro and uh, Copping were influenced by um, the premier at that time is hard to know. I I, I don't really know. Yeah. Bottom line is is that there's a different sheriff in town, and there's a different yeah. perspective. Yeah about what's right and what's wrong. Um, yeah. As far as the th three most recent people, uh, I think it's Alex and... Um, uh, Marco and... Marco, um, one other, yeah. I've just forgotten his name. I think I think Danielle right now, from what I understand on the news, is she's checking with legal to see whether or not she has the ability uh, to um, abrogate any charges against them. Um, yeah. and hopefully that will happen. I was talking to Alex yesterday 
um, just for a few minutes about that. Um, but as far as the four people that are in jail uh, right now under federal charges, well, the solution there to, to give Daniel the power is to get out from under federal control. So for one thing, yeah, that's um, right. you know, if we have get rid of the RCMP, have our own uh, police force and um, our own border control, you know, yeah. and uh, and then I think that, you know, that might take a couple of years. I hope that those people don't have to stay in jail for that long. But but, you know, it could be a lot worse if federal charges um, are really egregious. And, you know, I mean, maybe they're, you know, um, you know, after the court date, who knows what will happen. But if they had a really poor outcome and had a decade or or so in jail, um, well, Daniel, you know, I mean, this is something that Alberta would be able to negotiate on um, uh, if we had a successful referendum on independence, because we would want complete control of our justice system, complete control yeah. of our borders, no RCMP, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think um, that's one way Daniel could solve that problem. Um, mm -hmm. But you might be able to solve it by negotiation with the federal government as well. I, I think it's unlikely. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine uh, what Trudeau's feelings are right now with respect to Danielle and and the current uh, provincial government? I bet you he's uh, sh shaking in his light up shoes. <laughs> I don't think he's. I don't think he's shaking at all because. He's so narcissistic, he doesn't really care. I think that's that's the sad reality of, of what's going on in, in Ottawa. You think so? I think so. I think I think there's there's probably he's got his own little cabinet and his own little buddy buddies that are saying, uh, you know, it's they're so far away from us it's not really gonna matter. And we're still gonna tax them and we'll still get our money. I kind of thought that I that that he would uh, resign. Um, sometime soon, but I think Chris is right. He's so narcissistic. Why would he? You know, um, you know, he thinks he's God's gift to the earth and the universe, which he's not. He's a dink. Trudeau's <laughs> a dink. Yeah. Well, he is an aberration from uh, sensibility. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, Carrie and I don't often use that word, but when we do, we really mean it. That is true. Um, yeah, and and again, so a, a few other things that we were talking about, um, you know, new government coming in. Thank you. That, I got to uh, interrupt for a second, Carrie. Yeah, yeah. So just so everybody knows, these are the boys that are still in jail uh, for protesting at Coots. It just took me that long yeah. to get a, a picture off the internet because nobody's reporting on it but yeah. these boys are still in jail they've been in jail for eight months now since, yeah well since like february 19th or something with no right. trial yeah and isn't no the trial. court date isn't the court date like in may or something it is it's, uh, it is like next year yeah like it's been put off that long i know it's unconscionable they, they can't even get parole i mean it's insane they should have had bail. They should have at least been granted bail. And uh, but That's uh, I mean. Mr. Fa Mr. Fancy Socks, I think, wants to keep them in there uh, to prove a point. Yeah, um, because they can. Yeah. And the interesting thing here, Carrie, is 
So there was some wondering about why I was even in jail for three days because there was this understanding, well, you go, you go, you get arrested. You're supposed to go for a judge within 24 hours or something. That's kind of, they can only hold you, hold you that for that long without a trial, but that's not the case with provincial matters. They, it says you have to go before a judge or a justice of the peace in a reasonable amount of time. The criminal code says, uh, 24 hours. They've been in jail seven months, eight months. And I'm not, I'm not even, this has nothing to do with whether or not I think they're innocent or guilty of the charges. The point is they're innocent right now until they're proven guilty. And there are four innocent men still in jail. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Chris Carbert, Christopher Lysak, Anthony Olenek, and Jerry Morin. And I know for a fact that uh, um, Jerry is in uh, the Remand Center here in Calgary. And Anthony is in Medicine Hat. And the two Chris's are in Lethbridge. And speaking of which, we're actually driving the truck down. I don't know. Maybe we'll drive yeah, it down. Assuming I can November find a starter 4th. for it. So if anyone's got a starter <laughs> kicking around for a, a circa 2011 Detroit Diesel DD15, mine doesn't work. So uh, I'm looking for a yeah, starter. Yeah. Yeah, and they're doing a, uh, a protest in front of the uh, the courthouse in Lethbridge on November 9th at nine o'clock. So we're definitely it's in our calendar. We will be down there. Very good. We'll down That's there. a lot of miles. We do a lot of miles. Do you know what it costs to drive the picker truck down there? I think it was like eight hundred bucks, wasn't it? It was eight hundred dollars in fuel to drive down there. Eight hundred bucks. That's it's why I don't drive around as much as I would like to because <laughs> it gets five miles uh, to the gallon. It's just yeah, five miles to the gallon downhill. Gas Pardon? Five miles to the gallon driving downhill. Gravity yeah. sucking you down. Yeah. 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 Not to mention the well. Let's not even talk about what I do to the transmission. Yeah, find them, grind them. Yeah. Anyway, so the excitement and the hope comes from at the very least. Having people who are like-minded, freedom-oriented individuals in the places we want them. We wanted change. We wanted change within the UCP. I didn't think it could happen. Um, I might have to bake a cookie hat and eat it. But we have some change. We have a new premier. Uh, The premier has specifically said that what happened to the people who chose what they're putting in their bodies over the last couple of years was the worst discrimination that she's seen. And just for the people who are saying she apologized for that, she did not apologize for saying that. What she did is she clarified it, meaning she has seen this discrimination of those who have chosen uh, to not put this experimental jab in their bodies, and they've been discriminated for it. Not only discriminated, but the government has encouraged it and condoned it. That's the difference. She did clarify saying that there is other discrimination that needs to be dealt with. Um, she did apologize for the Ukraine Russian stuff, which I mm-hmm. don't agree with, yeah. but whatever. Anyway, she's acknowledged it. She's acknowledged that people were discriminated actively. And actually, mm-hmm. the government gave people money to discriminate. Yeah. yeah. He has That's said right. that um, if her government cannot get the things done that need to be done to benefit the people of Alberta and Alberta as a whole, that Now the ball is in the Alberta Prosperity Projects Court to make sure that Alberta is educated as to the benefits 
and the rationale of a referendum on independence. She is also now the leader of a party who has removed the majority of the board of directors and replaced them with freedom-loving Albertans who really want to make a change. She's spoken out, specifically spoken out against the WEF and the United Nations, or pardon me, the WHO, and said they have no place in Alberta. Now, I want things to happen now. I want them to happen two years ago, actually. So I look at what she's saying, and I want her to succeed. If she doesn't succeed, or she doesn't do what she says she's going to do, I will be the first one to go on an internet rampage and absolutely be her worst nightmare, as will hundreds of thousands of other Albertans who right now are mobilized for just such a task. That's why I'm hopeful, because people are involved and we have the power, we're stronger together, and oh boy, have we gotten together over the last two years. You know, it's interesting that you say it like that, Chris, because when you when we think back when Jason was elected uh, as the leader and all of the things that he said, that was a classic bait and switch. Um, and boy, did he disappoint. He did not re- he did not read the tea leaves of Albertans. You know, you take the fair deal panel that he had didn't didn't do one of the things that were recommended in the fair deal panel didn't even release an unredacted document to the public. Yeah. Um, right. And so and so here we are now. Uh, and Daniel has said, um, and Chris, you've alluded to it, but just to emphasize um, that she is going to do what she says she's going to do. And um, and uh, now it's up to all of us to not just hold her feet to the coals, but to help in the process of protecting our interests and our freedoms and rights and prosperity. And we all have an obligation, I think, uh, to educate our family, friends and neighbors who, um, you know, have not considered uh, these things. And I think it's, a, it's incumbent on all of us. You know, I've got to hand it to, uh, to TBA. You know, TBA was instrumental in getting Jason out. They were instrumental uh, in helping uh, get Daniel in as leader, and they were instrumental in changing the board of the UCP. You know, some people have, have said that the UCP is corrupt to the core. It can't be fixed. Um, TBA Yep, and TBA felt differently, and the people involved with TBA um, have achieved something that a lot of people thought was impossible. Now, the success of what they've done will be reflected in whether or not these people in government actually do what they said they were going to do, or in particular with respect to Danielle as leader doing what she said she's going to do. And so she's going to need every little bit of skill to um, and evidence and persuasive power to ensure that her caucus members are completely aligned and that she um, she can be convincing with the public as well that she's not going to backtrack on what she said she was going to do. So, yeah, I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be a very interesting time. And we have a responsibility 
like I said, to uh, help in this process. So, you know, talking to people, yeah. sending editorials, doing podcasts, webinars, bringing in people like Alex Epstein or things like, you know, that we can do. And so APP will do yeah. its part to create the, the educational tract, but it's now Perfect. up to Danielle and the UCP and the independence parties to create the political tract. Okay, yeah. and that political tract has now started. And that's what I think we're excited about. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I see a question that's come up here and it comes up all the time. And there's a lot of people thinking it, so I'm just gonna go ahead and read it. Why should we trust Danielle when she crossed the floor in the past? I don't think we can trust her. Well, first of all, I wanna ask any of you out there, um, which one of you is without sin? How many of you have gone through your entire life and not made any mistakes? Now, <laughs> to be honest, when that floor crossing happened, um, I was just livid. I may have even posted mm -hmm. some memes about Danielle Smith. I was so mad at her. And you know why I was mad? Because I thought, she's responsible for the destruction of Alberta. She let the NDP in. She did that. She did that. But the entire time, what I was failing to do was look at myself. It wasn't Danielle Smith who crossed the floor in a moment of bad judgment, which she has discussed. And I'm, I'm not going to get into the reason she said, because you can find it yourself. She's answered the questions yeah. quite a bit. And she's asked, answered the questions, uh, the question to my satisfaction. You can find it mm -hmm. as well. Um, it was my fault and your fault. It was decades of being politically apathetic and thinking you couldn't do anything about anything in politics, not getting involved and allowing the establishment to become so rotten that even conservatives yeah. wouldn't vote for them anymore. Like, yeah, that floor crossing was the straw that broke the camel's back. But if you're willing yeah. to bl put the all of the blame on what happened to this province on one person and not look at yourself and what you did or didn't do to shape, uh, ch to chart the course of your own future, I think you're really missing a lot here. And that's something that I have realized in the last while is that all of these problems I've had with other people, all of these problems I've had with government or what's going on in my life, I always expected that it was somebody else's fault. But really, we all share the blame because we're all part of this democracy. And knowing that democracy doesn't begin and end at the ballot box, that's the first major step, as has been shown over the last few months with groups like TBA, right? They showed yeah. that democracy is an everyday thing. It's not just one person who can ruin the course of the province. It's not just one person who can ruin the course of the province or the, the country. It's 38 million people, the majority of them not standing up and taking responsibility for their part in democracy, that's yeah. whose fault it is. Because you know that old that old cartoon um, with the, the rich elite playing chess on the backs of people? And, every, actually, yeah. and, the, and yeah. the caption says, if only they knew all they had to do to end the game was to stand up. It's always yeah. been our responsibility. And yeah. just now... We're, we're kind of growing up and coming into our own, and we're starting to take responsibility for our own future. 
So when you ask me personally, you ask me, how can I trust Danielle uh, after she crossed the floor? My answer is this. I only trust anybody else as far as I can throw them. Hmm. I trust myself far more than I trust any politician. And I trust myself to become and stay involved, stay civically engaged, so that when a politician fails to do their duty to my benefit, it becomes my responsibility. That's why um, that floor crossing doesn't bother or concern me anymore. I just well, add to that uh, as well. Sorry, Carrie, you go ahead. No, I was just well said that, uh, you know, if I, I can't even imagine being in her shoes at that time. And, and I don't really, well, I've heard what the story was behind it, but you know, it, it's, it's always difficult to be put into someone else's shoes. And, uh, and in that situation, yeah, it, it did fall back on, you know, you can, you can basically say, well, the NDP had, uh, was brought in after that, but it really does come down to Canadians as a general have been so apathetic in our voting. And we, this is this, if anything, it's kind of, made us realize that we actually have to take control of what's going on. We have to uh, be engaged. We have to have conversations with people. And um, when I was talking at the rally the other day, it was, it was actually kind of funny because one of the things I wanted to say is um, what were we talking about three years ago? Or at least what was I talking about three years ago with family and friends? Oh, what's the weather like? What's, uh, what's the latest thing on uh, Netflix? Um, what are the, what are the hockey scores? All that sort of stuff that is yeah. actually, it's it's entertaining, but it's trivial compared to what's actually going to be you know politically uh, uh, happening happening politically. So, I'm actually kind of glad that COVID kind of came in and uh, it smartened us up, smacked this around a couple of times, smacked Chris around a couple of times, and um, yeah, and I'm I'm you know I'm I'm excited for what is actually going to be happening in the next little while, especially especially to see what's going to be happening in the next few months. Yeah. Someone said um, that I talk very broadly about not taking responsibility. Don't tar us all with your brush. Well, I'll reply no. with this. How about no. instead of getting offended, maybe think about the fact that if I'm talking about people that didn't get involved and they need to take responsibility and you're not one of those people, that that brush isn't painting you. Yeah. No. One of the things I'd like to say, uh, and this is not – uh, so much in defense of Danielle because she's done a good job of apologizing every which way but loose, um, acknowledging the mistake that she made. But as a result of that mistake that she's made, in my opinion, she has far greater resolve to never again um, um, make a similar sort of mistake or not follow through on the commitments that she's made. Um, because, you know, um, she's, she's learned a hard lesson, uh, but she's risen above it. And uh, her success will be contingent upon, upon not compromising on those, on those commitments and those values and principles that uh, presumably she has. You know, mm -hmm. so we'll see. So there's, there's some folks there, you know, they're obviously not, they're not happy with the changes. Um, and I don't know, maybe there are some people, it doesn't matter how much something changes, they're still not going to believe that it could be better. 
And I understand why they would feel like that because that's what's happened to us for years, right? It happens all the time. We're always, we have this hope. Oh, Jason Kenny's going to save Alberta. Oh, shoot. <laughs> yeah. Right? That's the way it goes. And I get it. Yeah. But let me ask you this. What else, what other option do you have right now? Right now, it's right in front of you. Um, you might be saying, well, support an independence party. I agree. Absolutely support an independence party. Build that party. Build that movement. Get people involved. Get involved, yeah. Because don't ever let your guard down. But at the same time, you need to realize or you need to at least pay attention to the fact that we have an opportunity to do something right now, even before the next election. I mean, a lot of this stuff could happen in the next six months. We could completely mm -hmm. change the course of this province in the next six months. And if um, Daniel's solutions that she's offering don't pan out, which I'm very skeptical with the Alberta Sovereignty Act, just because I just because I'm skeptical. We need something ready to go. We yeah. need to have that. We need to have the signatures on the referendum that the Alberta Prosperity Project, or, or pardon me, the petition for the referendum that is circulating through the Alberta Prosperity Project at their events and stuff. We need to build that list. We need to build those signatures. We need to build the independence parties. We actually, here's, here's a good one. Here's a challenge. Now that the court issues are done with the Wild Rose Independence Party of Alberta, Paul Hinman has yeah. been ousted as party leader and they're basically right. left with rubble. That party imploded. Yeah. They need to set their egos aside and start talking to the other independence party and build something real. They need to yeah. get their act together and find some common ground and unify if they want to be any kind of opposition um, in the future. And yes, I say opposition, uh, because I'm not so naive as to think that a brand new party is going to take on a government as big as the UCP, a party as big as they are, um, who have made good positive changes and renewed the hopes of Albertans. They're not going to make a majority government, I don't think. That doesn't mean that I'm saying don't vote your conscience, don't elect an independence uh, party MLA to your constituency if that's what you that's what's on your heart. Do that. Mm -hmm. I would love to see an independence party opposition to a, um, a UCP government that's made a bunch of promises to do things and have their feet held to the held to the coals by that party. That that would be absolutely yeah. beautiful. It yeah. wouldn't be just Rachel Notley spewing yeah. her lies yeah. about everything. Have you have you listened to the radio down there lately, Carrie? Do you listen to the radio? I never listen to the radio. All I do is listen to like all my Spotify playlists and I make music and I believe it. Sorry. I was listening to the yeah. radio. It was a great radio station, kind of some oldie stuff or whatever. But an ad came on and it said, <coughs> um, here's a comprehensive list of what the Sovereignty Act will do for you as an Albert. Mm. And then there was the I sound of what it. liberals like to eat. Oh, I got to stop making fun of liberals. There was, a, there was some sounds of what uh, Marxists like to eat, which is crickets. And then it came back and said, nothing. That's what Daniel Smith's Sovereignty Act will do for you as Albertans. The NDP can give you better paying jobs, more jobs, lower cost of living, lower energy costs. And I'm like, how can people believe these lies? Everything they said was a lie. Everything. As a matter of fact, they should be reported to the CRTC. Yeah. But don't, I'm still, don't forget, I, I had a report. They also said that they would improve health care. 
they, they did, yes. <laughs> and it was a lie. And, and they're getting away with it. I would love to see the Independence Party of Alberta as the official opposition and speaking truth. Because truth is a more powerful and more effective way to make change than lies, as far as I've seen, right? One of the truths that uh, some of their uh, uh, leadership is talking about right now is the fact that there are more WEF um, infiltrations in our government than we know of. That's right. And I'm so happy that I heard Daniel Smith, Premier Smith, talk about how the WEF has no place in Alberta because now she has given herself the mandate to yeah. find out what's going on within the government and make sure there's no UCP or UCP WEF infiltration yeah. and make sure they're not pulling the strings because she said she's going to. You know how we can uh, see whether or not she will do that, Chris, is ATB right now is working with the federal government to implement the first major um, policy of the WEFUN agenda, and that's the digital ID. Now, our that's own right. ATB is working with the federal government. So she needs to, the UCP needs to stop that immediately and they probably need to change the entire board of directors and the management of atb as well for even going along with that with that nonsense um i think that would be uh that would be a brilliant first move yeah to do that, that. would be amazing yeah the other thing that i want to touch on is of course we've been advocating for the last few years uh that the independence party should come together um, and mm. that opportunity actually does exist now with the, uh, with, uh, as you said, the Wild Rose Independence Party. They still have quite a number of members. And, um, and then in addition, uh, TIP is formulative and uh, Archer, I think, is uh, amenable to some type of merger arrangement. And if then, if, they, if TIP and WIPA can come together, then the Alberta Advantage Party uh, may feel a lot with Marilyn Burns that that's something that would be relevant to do as well. I think if those three could come together prior to the next election, I think they 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 would be a force to to. Uh, I think that's they'd win, yeah. but uh, but I think they could win a number of seats. I think that everybody has actually asked for that that I know of. Why are they not getting together? And I mean, there's a lot of egos. There's a lot of lot of other issues that they're dealing with. But now it really does come down to seven months. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They really have to. If this is going to happen, they got to do it like you no. know, the, the whole Alberta shuts down at Christmas. So yeah. they can do it tomorrow. All of December. Yeah. They, they can actually do it tomorrow. The offer's already been made from the Independence Party of Alberta. All Wild Rose Independence Party of Alberta has to do is put out a member's vote. Yeah. You're right. Say that again, Chris. Uh, WIPA could. Yeah could put out a member's vote on mm -hmm. whether the members want to amalgamate with TIP and move forward as a unified independence party. And how does TIP feel about that, though? TIP is on board. TIP was, uh, they actually extended an invitation to WIPA to merge and hold a leadership contest. They had three, uh, three uh, demands, I guess, or I get, I don't know what the better word is. Yeah, but one was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Criteria. Should they form a majority government that uh, they hold a referendum within one year's time? Now, WIPA said, well, we need to make sure that there's people who are open to the idea and it's going to be successful first. I say if the Alberta people elect an independence government, they're ready for an independence referendum. So I don't have a problem with the year. 
The second thing was a leadership race to which Paul Hinman absolutely was not open to the idea. And uh, the third was, what was the third thing, Carrie? I'm trying to think. I know there was something like that. Yeah, I know. She's, she's busy (laughs) doing political stuff. (laughs) Yeah. There, there, there was a third thing. I can't for the life of me remember what it was, but it wasn't a, it was an easy thing. Like it was a totally Mm -hmm. in, insignificant thing. Yeah. So the Independence Party has extended that invitation to the Wild Rose Independence Party of Alberta, who I haven't talked about yeah. or, or to in a long time because they seemingly fell off the map and imploded. It was just unbelievable. Yeah. But they could do it. Well, I think they were waiting to get through the uh, the court challenge regarding which was the legitimate yeah. court of Wild Rose. And so yeah. that yeah. that was reported. But just now that that's... Yeah, oh, board election. Yeah, Thank you, Monica. Yes, it was board yeah, election. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, this is one of those don't put all your eggs in one basket things. Yeah. Do what you can now to support the people that are trying to make change right now. But also, if you are a independence-minded Albertan and you understand the benefits, the merits, and the rationale of independence, or at the very least, the, the referendum on independence, by all means, please get involved with an independence-minded party. Because the other thing that does is it shows the government of the day what the pulse of Albertans are at, or are at, where the pulse mm-hmm. of Albertans is. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I didn't like that's the, the most important that... thing to me is the referendum. Yeah. It doesn't matter which government it yeah. is, I want that okay. referendum on the table. Yeah. yeah, I didn't like the fact that the UCP government basically said, oh, well, we grew our membership, or, you know, let's say 100,000 down to 30,000, and then it grew back up to 80,000. Oh, you know, people were excited about coming into the UCP and all that. I think we, we personally, I just, I just signed up because I wanted Kenny out in May. So that's yeah, the too. reason why I did that. And the second, of course, that now we had to vote for somebody else. And so that was just a side perk out of actually having a membership. And I don't know why more people don't have multiple memberships. Like, sign up for whatever you can. Sign up for an independence party. Sign up for the UCP. Although I think we've had the conversation that if you can't sign up for the NDP and hold other memberships, I could be well, wrong. You can, but you can sign up as a subscriber to the WEF newsletter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but speaking of memberships, guys, um, yeah. you remember Danielle's comments uh, in the beginning in response to Ezra? And um, and so what what Daniel acknowledged is what APP is doing and how APP can control the outcome of the of the next election. And that occurs consequent to growing the membership to massive numbers. So we want a million to a million and a half members. Yeah, we've got got over five hundred and fifty thousand followers now um, on on social media, but. which, by the way, according to Meltwater Analytics, uh, exceeds the uh, um, the engagements um, uh, of the UCP and the NDP combined, which is pretty remarkable wow. uh, given that we've only been operational for about eight months now. Yeah, so, it's an exciting uh, conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it it uh, it's interesting. We've had two hundred twenty thousand plus emails. We've had over 420,000 viewers of our videos, uh, over 22,000 hours um, viewed. Uh, so, you know, I think we're making a difference. And, 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 and I think it was reflected really in Danielle's comments uh, to Ezra Levant's uh, question to her. And so, 
So this is this is why I think if we can just keep growing and growing and growing the membership of APP, um, that means we've got uh, you know a million or a million and a half or more people who understand the importance of leverage, of mm -hmm. the leverage that the government needs to protect us, consequent to a referendum on independence. So, so uh, I think we're making a difference. Yeah, I, I know. I know we're making a difference. I know we are. You can feel it. You can like having conversations with just everyday Albertans. Um, the ones that I talk to that don't know anything about the APP. When we get into that conversation, they're excited to hear it. Yeah. Some are angry to hear it. But when you take a little bit of time, find some common ground and explain to them that this isn't about an angry separatist thing. This is about a compassionate response to a a huge problem that we're going to face or that we're facing now and a bigger problem that we're going to face in the future if we don't act. Yeah. So, you know, that, that whole, the whole idea of separation, separatism is kind of unpalatable. People, it, it, they don't want to hear that. Um, and for me, this, that the idea of the referendum, it's not about separating from Canada. It's about standing independent in the face of your, what do you call it? Your uh, your previous daddy taking you somewhere you don't want to go. That's what this is about. Yeah, yeah it's really it, it's really. I mean, the analogy is is you know a father and a son, for example. And you know, father has control as the son gets um, older um, and about the same size and uh, is capable of leaving the home and and um, has an education or a trade to look after himself. Uh, well, Alberta is certainly, is certainly uh, capable of looking after itself, but it still doesn't have the leverage or the negotiating power uh, to deal effectively with the federal government. And so, so for me, um, I don't like the term separation either. Um, and even the concept of independence, I know is off-putting for some people, but but the 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 way to think about independence is independence can occur within Canada or independence can occur as Alberta becoming a new nation. But you can't get either of those paradigms unless you've got the negotiating power um, to get what we want in Canada, uh, and then we stay. Or if we if we don't get what we want, then we can then we can leave. But at least we're in a position. Uh, to negotiate our future. Right now, we can't negotiate our future because we've got no leverage to do so. There's no pathway mm -hmm. right now other than the pathway through a referendum on independence. So mm -hmm. it's I just, there's a, it's not complicated, you know, but it's a funny thing that a lot of people don't really get it in the beginning, you know, but if you keep going over it, because education is a process. Some people will hear it for the first time, it doesn't quite click. The third or fourth time, it clicks so mm -hmm. sometimes we go into things with preconceived ideas and we have our mind made up already and we don't want to understand we don't want to hear the message we listen but we don't hear it you know what i mean yeah so maybe maybe it takes a couple times but eventually i find that there's a very very high success rate when i ask uh, in the beginning how many people are not members um, mm -hmm. out of 100 people that put up their hand at the end, when I ask how many people are going to leave without memberships, maybe only 10 or 15 put up their hands. So there's a very high success rate when people actually hear the rationale 
and it's yeah. presented them to them in the way they can understand, um, it, it works. Yeah. 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 For the right and the left. And that's, I, I really believe yes, that's absolutely. Yeah. That's the way we can win some NDP supporters next May. Because the NDP supporters who voted NDP in the last election where they won, which was eons ago, um, the ones that voted NDP for the right reasons, you know, better working conditions, better health care, better schools, that those kind of things. I call those the right reasons. The wrong reasons would be uh, more taxes so we can take rich people's money and give it to everybody, even if they don't want more. That's not the right reasons to vote NDP. The, pr the problem is, is it's the middle class that the money is taken from. Yes. Yeah. Good point. Dennis. That's where the majority but comes from. The the ones who vote for the right reasons, vote NDP for the right reasons. Those folks have, they can get what they want with a, a referendum on independence or an independent Alberta. Because we, we've spoken of this at APP meetings many, many times. When Alberta keeps its wealth in Alberta, it's impossible for the people to not benefit. When Alberta has a government that gets their dirty, stinky, sticky government fingers out of business where it doesn't belong, prosperity mm -hmm. ensues. And when we're prosperous, we can help each other better. That's like, if you vote NDP because you want stronger social programs and stronger safety nets and better, just a better place to live, an independent Alberta ticks all of the boxes for you. You just have to take off your orange colored glasses and get back to reality. So let me let me tell you something that we're doing within APP that I think is really pretty exciting right now. So we're we're starting some different campaigns. You know, if you take what the 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 industries that are under attack include obviously uh, oil and gas, mining, um, agriculture, including ranching and farming, but education is under attack. Trucking has been under attack. Etc. So we're starting with the oil and gas industry and this Alex Epstein event coming up on the 28th is part of that. But you can go to our website now and you can see our new campaign that's starting for the oil and gas industry and it's called Drilling for Prosperity. Then there'll be one Mining for Prosperity. Then there'll be another one, you know, um, Farming, Ranching for Prosperity, etc. So you can see what, what, what we're doing. We want to educate the public on the merits of these industries, the importance of protecting them, and and um, and uh, you know what the federal government is doing to harm those industries, which harms us. But it brings me to another point. Um, I mean, I'm sure everybody on the call knows that we have the third largest oil resource. But do you know? Do you guys know about the Montney gas field? Yeah. You guys know about that? You know about that, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. So for for yeah. your viewer, and Carrie, you know that, but for your viewers who don't know yeah. that, yeah. this is a gas field um, in northwest um, um, uh, Alberta that's larger than Nova Scotia and New Brunswick combined. Think about that. And this would be the primary source for LNG. Um, uh, uh, source of gas to the West Coast, the Kitimat or, or Prince Rupert. So, you know, and with our mining resources and our massive agriculture and, um, you know, ranching, farming, uh, I mean, this, this province 
independent within Canada or independent untethered to Canada would be the number one GDP per capita nation in the world almost overnight. You know, we have so all hell for a basement. I'm sorry. We have all hell for a basement here in Alberta. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Big sugar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's uh, yeah. This is an amazing, an amazing province, guys. I mean, we're blessed with so many, so much natural resource. We just need to to be able to develop it uh, for our benefit and the benefit for the rest of the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, speaking of natural gas. I need to talk about our politicians again for a second. So you remember how during the Kenny regime, um, the MLAs weren't really allowed to speak out about much. You didn't hear you, you didn't really hear them talking about uh, maybe adverse vaccine reactions that they may have had. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you see Shane Getson's interview with Western Standard? Yeah, when he was ill. I'm not ashamed to the new one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I'm seeing is that the UCP caucus right now is allowed to speak. Mm -hmm. They're allowed to speak the truth, and Shane spoke some very powerful truths. He let other Albertans know uh, who who may have had adverse vaccine reactions or possibly lost a loved one to a vaccine death. Mm -hmm. He let them know that they're not alone, and there's even people within our very own government who have been adversely affected by the vaccinations that the Alberta government pushed on people. Yeah. The Kenny government pushed on people. Now I'm not prepared to give all of our MLAs a pass for being complicit in that, but at the very least the conversations changing directions. And that's a very good thing considering, um, I don't know if you know this Dennis, but Carrie and I, uh, we're both on the board of WS full steam ahead, the organization, that we created uh, last year in order to advocate for people that have been affected by the vaccine mandates. Well, vaccine death is probably a very, that's strongly affected by the vaccine mandates. Yeah. So what we did is we, we not partnered, but we're co- cooperating and working with Leighton Gray, who has filed or is filing a class action lawsuit against Pfizer for vaccine injuries and vaccine death. So we helped out that class action lawsuit with the, well, a, a pile of money and we want to actually do something to help the people that have been, been affected. Shane Getson's one of them. Mm. So this, that makes things more real and more mainstream because people can't say anymore, Hey, uh, you know, but that's just, that never happens. That's probably something that's that hearsay. happened. Yeah. yeah. It's hearsay. It happened because someone had COVID. You know what? One of our MLAs right now is speaking out about, about that and yeah. more are coming. So, no, this is this is good. This this is absolutely has to happen. Of course, for your for your listeners, uh, Leighton Gray, who's the lawyer that's um, uh, conducting this class action with you guys, uh, is on our board. Is on the board of the uh, Alberta Prosperity yeah. Society. Leighton is a is a great guy, um, yeah. and he's a he's a terrific lawyer, as well. So this is this is really a good thing. One thing I want to make mention of that. Uh, and I don't understand why this occurred, um, but but why did the former UCP caucus, and there are many members of the UCP caucus now that were controlled in the Jason Kenney era as well, mm-hmm. but one of the things that they should, that should never ever happen again is the inhibition 
of alternative narrative. So if they want, if, if you want to get to the truth about science, you need to hear um, opposing views on a perspective. And, um, and one of the things that caucus never had the opportunity to do because it was stifled by a few people, mainly Kenny, um, was <clears throat> the caucus never had the opportunity to really hear directly from people like Paul Alexander and Robert Malone and Jay Bhattacharya and, you know, um, and, and others of that um, ilk, Rod, Roger Hodkinson as well. Ari Jaffe, David Redman. I mean, these people. Mm -hmm. uh, it's were, a long list. It's it's a long yeah. and it's and it's much longer than you know Pierre Corey as well. I mean, there are many people that um, had the evidence uh, against these mandates, and um, caucus was not mm -hmm. permitted to hear this alternative narrative. And we made the case that we wanted to have that we wanted to have um, Hinshaw and her people meet with the other group um, in front of caucus and have the discussion and let's see how how it would go and i know darn well that um, from having written two open letters uh, with that were completely um, um, supported by evidence uh, for the statement that i made I know darn well that Hinshaw could not have won that debate. It would have been impossible because she didn't have the evidence to justify any of the mandates, not one. Dennis, wait, wait until you see who uh, Danielle Smith has appointed to her COVID-19 advisory committee. You're going to be, yeah, you'll be all smiles. Okay. Well, well, that, 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 that's great. Um, um, yeah, because I think this this is part of the reckoning that needs to uh, take place. Yeah. Well, wow, almost Good two discussion. hours. Almost two hours. I know. Where does <laughs> the time go, fast, guys? Dennis, I got a really important question for you. Is as I'm yeah. getting a little bit older, mm. is it true that time continues to go faster and faster forward the older you get? <laughs> yeah, you know something. I think there's there's some truth to that. I have to tell you a funny story. It's kind of like I was driving to Calgary um, uh, a week or so ago, and um, I was talking to uh, a great guy uh, from from Calgary. He's written a couple of books, um, and I started talking to him when I left Edmonton, and we hung up when I drove into Calgary. And boy, I'll tell you that. Oh, yeah. That trip in my mind took five minutes, you know, yeah. and it's just like this conversation when you're chatting and you're having a good time and you're sharing, sharing your views. Um, um, uh, you know, time does time does go faster. But for me, you know, and I am getting older, unfortunately, I wish I was getting younger. Um, and uh, which brings up an interesting other topic. We could talk about that is de-aging. I mean, genetically de-aging. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You can take mice and rats and make them younger. I mean, perhaps it's coming with humans too, but then where is everybody going to live? Well, this is part of Elon Musk, conquer Mars. Uh, anyhow, that's another completely other story. That's another two hours. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it could be longer than two hours. But yeah, I, I, think, I think there's some truth to what you said. The perception of time uh, is... Uh, is that it does go faster as you're getting older, as far as I'm concerned. And I think the busier you are, 
the faster the time goes as well. Aha. Uh -huh. yeah. And um, the more you're concerned about something that could happen that's very, very bad in the future, knowing that you have limited time to do something about it, yeah. it also seems to go a lot faster, which yeah. is kind of where we're at right now. Yeah. At least it is for me. We don't okay. have a pile of time. We don't have time to fight. We don't have time to argue. We don't have time to slam each other. We have time to share beers every now and then. Right, Terry? Every now and then. Always do. Always do. <laughs> but we certainly don't have time to be, um, I'm going to use an oil field term here, um, sweating the petty shit. Mm -hmm. yeah, There's two right. rules. Don't sweat the petty shit. And don't pet the sweaty shit. <laughs> Okay, well, that's a term I hadn't heard before, guys. So uh, I always feel if I learn one new thing a day, if I learn one new thing, thing, it's a great day. And I would, so right now, the end of this conversation, it's a great day. I just learned something new. Right on. Um, and to the people that were asking, no, I wasn't being sarcastic. If you believe in actually uh, that our doctors and our scientists should be doing things that are beneficial to our health and exploring every, every option for yeah. early treatment to keep us out of the hospitals, you are going to be thrilled when you see who Danielle Smith has appointed to her COVID-19 advisory committee. You don't Literally, know when that's going to be announced. change the world. You don't know when that's going to be announced, Chris? I do not know. No. no. But I, I hope it's soon. Because there are lives on the line. It's good. Right? Yeah, I would assume it's going to be soon. I hope so. Well, I think so, because uh, Daniel's uh, made it very clear that AHS is going to get fixed and it's going to get out from under control of the World Health Organization as well, as Chris, you alluded to earlier. You know, all these groups that want us to freeze and starve in the dark, Dennis, they, they just need to they need to be destroyed and just be built back better. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I hate that. I hate that term. Don't you hate that term? Build back better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, this has been awesome. Uh, yes. We talked about a lot of stuff, and I think, um, I think people were pretty receptive. So, well, thanks for having me on, Chris and Carrie. I, I really well, and always enjoy conversing with you guys. And you know, Carrie, thanks so much for you know you hosted a webinar the other day with Alex, and yeah. thank you for that. Yeah. And, yeah. The support you're getting, and Chris, you've been a great speaker at many of our events, and and uh, hopefully that will continue, and and uh, we'll carry on working together to build APP. We'll build that backbone uh, for mm -hmm. the government to uh, to have the confidence to take us forward uh, to uh, to an to an independence referendum. So um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's great working with you guys. Yes, and Thank we certainly you. appreciate uh, everything you've done, Dennis. I know you should be on a beach somewhere warm, sipping overly sweet drinks yeah. that you wouldn't want another man to see you drinking instead of running around the province trying to save it for other people. But uh, you're doing it anyway. So What's that song? That. What's that song? Toes in the water, ass in the sand? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. That's it. Yeah. Zach yeah. Brown Band? That's yeah. Zach Brown Band. Zach Brown. Yeah. yeah. Zach Brown. That's a great song. Yeah. It's There's another great. one. Um, you might remember it from your younger days, Dennis. It was a uh, one of those real oldies, a very po poetic song. I can't remember who sang it, but it, the line said something about smoking trees in Belize when they find them. Oh no, that was Biggie. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> fast forward to that. <laughs> All right, guys. Definitely your error. Yeah. 
Well, good night, everybody, and thank you very much for tuning in to another episode of the Chris and Carrie Show that we don't actually number nor title generally, but no. uh, yeah, we thank you for joining us anyway. Thanks again. Everything Dennis. is relevant. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Every, everything is relative, yes. And good night. Thanks for everybody for tuning in. We'll Let do it again soon. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Bye bye now. Thank you. Bye. And we, oh, I guess we are. Oops. I thought that was me. I was Sorry. Are we, are we logging off? I'm huh? not even sure how to log off on this thing. Let's keep I going. Leave studio. Why not? I don't know. I don't know. What else do you need to talk about? I'm not even finished my apple juice yet. I I have yeah. Den, I was so, Dennis is like a father figure to me. Yes, he, I was going to so say that. He's so knowledgeable or whatever. So it's like, is that okay if I'm drinking in front of Dennis? Yeah, but I was anyway. Well, we'd probably be okay with wine because he was a heart and lung transplant surgeon. So that's know, right too. Yeah, glass of wine at night is good. But I honestly, being around Dennis, I smoke less, I drink less, <laughs> I don't order usually the food that I would want to eat because I'm sitting next to a man who actually had to swap out people's hearts because of poor, yeah. well, possibly sometimes because of poor health choices they made. And it just, yeah, yeah it's in the back of my mind. Yeah. It's even like yesterday we went for dinner and uh, I was sitting be beside Roger Hodgkinson and uh, we had a couple of conversations about certain things and it's like, um, yeah, just so full of knowledge and you just feel so, can I, can I just steal your brain for a minute? I want to ask Roger, a bunch of questions. I didn't yeah. know this uh, until a few months after I met him, but Roger was actually one of the country's foremost uh, advocates for like getting rid of smoking. Really? He was, yeah, absolutely huge in that. Uh, and this is a few yeah. years ago now, but yeah, he was yeah. on, a, he headed up a big campaign about smoking and the, the health disaster that was impending if we didn't change something. And he's right. I mean, yeah. we do have a yeah. lot of issues sure. with smoking. However, apparently in uh, France, the smokers had about a 30% less chance of getting COVID than non-smokers. So, Wow. Well, it's because the, uh, the, the smoke breathing down clears. I don't know. I'm just making that up. Well, there's, you know, there's, there's probably some sort of follow the science. Yeah, you take some heat anytime you say this, but smoking was never intended to be a, just a habit where you look cool, right? Or stink your clothes up. It was based on ancient medicine where you smoked some sort of tobacco or whatever for health issues. And there were medical benefits. Of course, there are much worse drawbacks, but uh, yeah, smoke, cigarette smoke, tobacco smoke is full of nicotine and nicotine is not only a, a herbicide, but it's also an antiviral. So while you're destroying your lungs, you are also making it so the viruses that you're inhaling have less likely chance of surviving in your, in your body. Yeah. Also, yeah. probably giving yourself cancer. Right? Yeah, I don't know the benefits. People will say, you know, vaping is so much better than smoking, and I don't know. I, I just, it's all bad for you, but everything in moderation. <laughs> That's right. So one beer tonight is fine for me. Maybe I'll have two. No, That's not your first one. one. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> Speaking of which, where's your Pabst yeah. shirt? It's right. It's what I was wearing. Oh, you're wearing it. Oh, yeah, right darn it. I should have worn mine. Right. Right, past, oh. right there. No. I'll remember for next time. All and right. When we well, sat down. I thought, okay, I'm, I'm wearing this shirt. I'm not sure if I should wear the shirt. And I was going to put a sweater on. And it was like, a, no, it doesn't matter. I am who I am. And yes, everyone should are. be who they are. Yeah. We are not perfect. Um, no. Our lives would probably be a very good episode of Dallas or 80. 
and uh, yeah, we're not perfect, but we certainly want to do something and make a difference. So absolutely, that's why we're here. Hopefully, people can look past our uh, cigar smoking. Yeah, well, your cigar smoking. Yeah, my beer drinking. <laughs> Maybe we should start All smoking right. crickets. Maybe we should. You know what? I still say we should have a whistle stop beer. Yeah, I want to do that. I think we should. I think that's a, that's a thing we should do. I'm, I did beer when I was in my 20s. We only made like three batches of it. So it was probably like a you know, total of maybe five months commitment into it. It was in a closet of a friend's uh, house and you had the, the giant bottles. You ended up going and buying the kit back then. And uh, you did the mixing and then you let it sit and then you, you'd shake it up or do whatever after a couple of days. I actually forget the whole process. But you know, I don't think we could do that, but we there are there are breweries out there that we well, can partner with. And, I have uh, a friend, actually, uh, the guy that does my point of sale stuff. Um, yeah. He's also involved in a brewery in Grand Prairie, so maybe I'll reach out to him and see if oh. they want to brew us up a batch of whistle beer. Well, maybe. I think that whistle beer sounds like it might be a thing already. Might have to come up with a different name. Molson, Chris and Carrie Ale. I don't. know. We'll come up with something. <laughs> oh no, I got it. We're friends, so it'll be Bud. Bud, there you go, Bud. Yeah. But we're only gonna make a light yeah. beer. No, totally light. Okay. All, All right. right. Now we digress. Oh, again. you know what? If if it's brewed when we're uh, really sick, we could call it something. My else. Corona, my Corona, the extra. All right. Yeah. All right. Okay. Time to go. Night, everybody. Thanks, Carrie. Night, everybody. By the way, right, Carrie made that you. intro video. He's awesome. Yeah. I also made one for Bob, but Chris didn't show it because he didn't like the music in it. Yes. That's a different story altogether. I don't think Bob would like the music. <laughs> Next one. All right, Next one, we'll, we'll have a good intro for Bob. Next one? Okay. Awesome. All right. Good night, everybody. Have a great night. And we will very likely be back tomorrow because we don't have lives and all we do is sit in our parents' basements, and just do Facebook lives all day. Who doesn't have a life? No, okay. okay. Parents' basements. <laughs> all right. Good night, everybody. Night. I'm leaving. Bye.